As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. One more week gone till Christmas, but we've still got tech to talk about, and I'll have two editors to do it with this morning. I've got Scott Carey, editor of Computer World UK. Hello. And Karen Khan, editor of Macworld. Hello. Hello. How are you both doing? Okay. Pretty good. Uh, Karen, I'm going to come back to you later because you missed out on last week's pod. So I'm going to ask you what everyone should be buying for Christmas, but I won't put you on the spot yet. <laughs> you could have warned me. <laughs> I'll give you time to think. But first, uh, just after this drum roll, we'll be talking about the iMac Pro. Karen, as we record, it is the 14th of December. And for Apple fans, that means they've got a shiny new iMac Pro to get their hands on. Yeah, that's true. Um, although the iMac Pro is not really for all Apple fans. That it's very true. much a pro machine for pro creatives who are doing things like um, editing in Final Cut Pro and, um, you know, 8K red video, drone footage in uh, H.264 um, oh. You know, it's it's not it's not for your average user. You've, so you've already outlined that it's not for us. It's not going to be on your Christmas gift guide. Yeah, if you're if even if you're like a massive gamer, then you know it's still going to be overkill for you. This is not a machine for your typical Mac so, fan. Yeah, to clarify, this is the brand new um, standalone desktop rather than the Mac Pro because this can get a yeah, little bit confusing, right? Um, so. Basically, if we backtrack a little bit to April this year, um, Apple was being criticised by professional users who were saying, you just don't care about us anymore, you only care about the iPod, iPhone. And they said iPod then. That's going back even further. <laughs> we, all, we all deeply care. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, sort of accusing Apple of neglecting its traditionally faith faithful uh, pro users. And so what Apple did was he actually sat down with a handful of select journalists back in April. Yep. And said, look, you know, we haven't forgotten about the Mac. And what we're doing is we're developing a new Mac Pro. And they talked about this iMac Pro. Mac Pro-wise, it's worth mentioning because obviously a lot of people right now are wondering what, well, you know, isn't, is the iMac Pro really replacing the Mac Pro? Probably for now it is. But Apple is talking about reinventing the Mac Pro as well. It seems that they kind of 
put themselves in a corner here with the Mac Pro, they couldn't update it any further. So yeah. it wasn't just users who couldn't update the kind of the trash can um, Mac <laughs> Pro that everyone talks about. Apple couldn't either. They were actually stuck. They hadn't been able to up- upgrade it at all since 2013. So yeah. they really needed to address that. Yeah, they got well, a lot. Sorry, go on. Yeah, go on. No, you carry on. No, I was just going to say that, yeah, you're right. They got a lot of um, bad press about the Mac Pro, which, as you say, wasn't updated since 2013. And then it also got a £500 price increase around the same time Apple got a lot of flack for its so-called Brexit increases. But that is a lot of money to add to the price tag of something that's, well, at the time was four and still is four years old. Um, So that's the user-upgradable kind of cylindrical um, tower that they sell. Not user-upgradable. Not user-upgradable. There you go. There you go then. Okay. It used to be the case that the Mac Pro was quite a sort of user, you know, users could get in there, they could add things to it. And when Apple changed it all with the Mac Pro that came out in 2013, that stopped. Yeah. Now, one of the things that Apple sort of suggested, um, at least if you read between the lines in April, is that their new Mac Pro that they're looking at developing will be more user ac- updatable because people want to be able to, um, like, I, there's a word for it, but I've forgotten it at the moment. But basically, you know, put things into the Yeah, machine. be modular. Modular, that's the word I was looking <laughs> for. Thank you, Scott. No problem. Um, so, yeah, so right now you have this in the future, this new Mac Pro that's coming. You've got the iMac Pro now. Um, the iMac Pro, the difference there is that it's not going to be user up- upgradable as far as we know. It yeah. is, it, it, in fact, it, we had it confirmed that... Um, the RAM isn't... I mean, we knew for a fact that it wasn't accessible from the back. Well, it's, it's, it might be service upgradable, but it's definitely not user upgradable. It's the kind of thing that would void your warranty and everything else. So what you buy is what you get kind of thing. Um, and yeah, the specs mm, are very yeah. impressive. You've got like 128 gigabytes of RAM and... It's insane. Things you, <laughs> you know, the rest of us never use, never need. But the, there are a few there are a few people who've had one to review and um you know these are people who are sort of creative pros directors photographers yeah. um you know app developers so on um and there there was one guy who was talking about a 200 to 300% increase in performance with his industry leading software using the iMac pro so you know this this is this this mac is going to make a big deal and a big difference to people like him um, and for simpletons like like me and Scott, it uh, it comes in space grey. You can't well, get it. <laughs> you, you can't get, get a silver one. Space grey keyboards and, and yep. you know which you can't buy separately. Well, yeah. It sounds like it sounds like yeah, like users are getting a lot out of the box here, and and that is all you're getting is is what you're getting out of the box. But the problem that I envision again is that it will be like the um, with the Mac Pro, where you know four years down the line as we are now, then it's it's not you know as as industry leading as it was, and then. You have to upgrade again, so I, I can see why people who who aren't able to upgrade it themselves are going to be a little bit reticent because they're going to think, okay, great, this is a four year purchase again. Um, and I'm assuming these don't come cheap. No, they're not cheap. They're starting at well, we we know they're starting at five five grand in the in the states, five thousand five iPhone tens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it could go up to. I've I've seen estimated about seventeen. Yep. Thousand pounds, um, but that will be all upgrading at point of purchase. Yeah, that's yeah. if you've got the sort of his eighteen cores and you know one hundred and twenty eight gigabytes of RAM and everything. If you put the whole so lot in, that's what you could be spending. And to be honest, the people who are reviewing these models at the moment, they've got all the RAM. They're they're looking at ten core 
Um, so they're not looking at the fastest amount of calls you could have, but um, they are looking at pretty well spec machines. So the, yeah. the results they're seeing aren't gonna you aren't gonna get it for five grand either. So no. no. So apart from being space grey, what does it look like? Is it an all in one? It, it, it looks exactly, like that. Exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> so we have a, a recent iMac in the studio, and it's pretty much what it looks like. This the screen doesn't have any slimmer bezels or anything like that. You still get the black box outline. Um, you still get the, yeah the magic keyboard uh, yeah. in, in grey and, and the, the trackpad as well. The screen on the twenty seven inch iMac is amazing, and there's a lot yeah. of technology in there. Like you know, you'll get you've got your five K screen. You've got um, uh, one of the things that they talked about when they announced the five K um, screen on the most recent iMac 27 inch iMac was was about 8k bits um color and how they sort of create a way of being able to see that even though it's not a true 10 bit display but obviously if you were looking to spend money on a display that gave you those features you'd be spending a lot more than you are spending when you spend your five grand and you get one of these so yeah um but as for if you are going to need to upgrade it in the next few years, then maybe you need to wait till next year and see what the Mac Pro has in store. So what's this competing with? Is it like the um, the sort of the workstations from people like HP and those sort of high-powered machines used yeah. by like visual artists and directors? And yeah, like and Apple has lost a lot of um, customers to those, those yeah. machines. So it is, in some ways, it it's like, when they they sort of turned around in April and said, "Sorry, we've not forgotten you," it may have also been that they'd had a bit of a wake up call and yeah. they needed they sort of recognised they needed to do something. Just by saying we've not forgotten about you, kind of suggests that they have considered that they might have forgotten about. Yeah, them. yeah. and I think <laughs> the fact that they let the Mac Pro go so long without an update because they were so stuck, it kind of suggests in a way that they they don't really care that much anymore. And to yeah. be honest, in terms of their business, yeah. how big a part of it of their business is it you know it's you sort of wonder if they're doing this just to kind of keep in good books yeah because it was it was spun by the media that they they'd forgotten about the professional market but at the same time that that mac pro in 2013 was ridiculously specced Mm. and perhaps it's a company that sort of looked at it and thought we don't actually need to try and flog people another piece of kit another like a year or two afterwards and then it just got to the point where microsoft is pushing ahead with stuff like that surface studio um but it's interesting that the iMac Pro isn't trying to do anything new apart from be more powerful. It's the yeah. same form factor. I think one of the important things about the iMac Pro and the Mac Pro back when they launched it in 2013 was it wasn't it wasn't designed for your average user, like we said before, but it was designed to showcase Apple at its very best. Yeah. And it's kind of like, it's the sort of the showing off, look what we can do, that makes other people think, well, you know, maybe I'll buy another iMac, not that one, but mm. yeah. So. And it's Apple finishing the year with a bit of a an upmarket flourish, isn't it? Because yeah. it, uh, Scott alluded to a very expensive iPhone X mm. um, aimed at, well, everyone's going to want one, but it is aimed at a sort of a, a more affluent market. The iMac Pro at five grand, potentially a Mac Pro coming, even though it's been delayed, a HomePod, which is going to probably be about £400. Mm. Um, is this Apple realising that it has just got to go for the big ticket items again to remain successful? To be honest, Apple's always been your sort of big ticket, expensive items. There's never been a time when Apple's ever been accused of doing anything cheap. Maybe the iPad socks, iPod socks. <laughs> we were talking about iPod shuffle, here, maybe, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they, they don't... They don't don't do cheap they do yeah. high, you know high cost high class but, but i think i think recently and the tech press have got we've got to be picky about something and apple for a couple of years has struggled to justify its prices perhaps and with the iphone design and, and um 
again, yeah, not releasing a new Mac Pro, but bumping the price up, people were sort of saying, well, what is my money actually getting me here? And perhaps the iMac Pro is a bit more of a justification for those high prices. Because it looks like a bit of a monster. <laughs> yeah, I, d- I don't know. I mean, it's it's it, it could be seen as a leap up from the, the cost of a 27-inch iMac, except that if you spec'd up a 27-inch iMac to its full potential, you could look, be looking at about it. five grand. So, um, yeah, it makes sense for what you're, what you're yeah. buying. Yeah. And sometimes they do, you do have a sort of model in between two other models where you think that's kind of only there to justify the price of the next one up because who's going to buy the one in the middle? Yeah. You know, it kind of makes it not look as as big a leap in price. But yeah, I mean, I guess they, they've priced it according to what they think people are prepared to spend. And you know what everyone says, the iPhone ten is overpriced, but we know people have bought one, don't we? So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, it's also, um, well, we know that this is aimed at creative professionals, but uh, even though we all have coverage on, on Macworld, our colleague Neil Bennett for Digital Arts is out in California at the moment. No, not California, in, in New, New York, York sorry, yeah. wrong coast. With Apple. Uh, with Apple. Uh, and obviously he, he writes for Digital Arts, so aimed squarely at that market. So Apple isn't trying to pretend here that this is a high-powered machine for, for word processing. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but it is, yeah. I don't know, yeah, it's interesting that they, they are sticking with not changing the form factor because the Surface Studio that I mentioned, you can you can pull down into a, basically a huge slate that you can draw. Yeah, and it's got that weird... Um, the dial. Dial. Yeah. They were very... Um, one of the things that I think it was Phil Schiller talked about was why they um, they didn't... They weren't going to make it a, a touchscreen. Mm. I kind of agree with them on that. They do hate Apple. Have always hated touchscreens. So yeah, they, um, in that way, like the, um, Jobs hated styluses. Didn't yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, and yeah, the, the the touch bar on this year's MacBook Pro wasn't received too warmly, and no. I kind of view that now as Apple sort of trying to concede that they might be wrong about it. But to be honest, yeah, the, the MacBook Pro doesn't need a touchscreen, uh, and the iMac Pro, by all accounts, probably doesn't need one either. It's interesting though, too, because like I've been, I went to an event with HP um, earlier this year, and they were showing off their um, workstation. Um, so that it's basically the same thing as yeah, high-powered um, machine for directors and visual artists and things like that. Yeah. And one of the things that, whenever they did a demo of that machine, they always used a stylus or a pen because they were like, it's an artist. They'll sketch their ideas out first, and then they'll build up around that. So I wonder if Apple are kind of sort of spiting themselves by resisting the yeah. stylus in this instance. You can always use like some Wacom yeah, uh, tablets to input stuff into iMac Pros. Yeah, yeah. but it, yeah, it's, it's kind of a gap in their in their in their market, I suppose that they're probably reticent to fill because they know that an iMac Pro is necessary for that com- kind of computing power. And then yeah. on the com- com- consumer side, they've got the iPad Pro, um, which obviously is not high powered enough to do anything that people with an iMac Pro are going to need to do. It's more like a transition tool. You can mm. you can spend still spend about a grand to yeah. carry around your digital notebook. It's kind of the classic when... <laughs> Apple thing where it's like we will tell you what you need mm. rather than you tell us. And people still use it though. So. It'd be interesting to know how how in the future the two will work together. You know the Mac, the iMac Pro, the the iPad Pro. Yeah, and so all the Pro so, you know, uh, tools coming together. Whether yeah. the, the, the iPad Pro could become <laughs> a sort of you know, Wacom tablets sort of yeah. set up. That would you make can link sense. it up with some sort of cloud storage, 
like with a lot of cloud storage, then you're fine. If you have to pay then Apple for your iCloud storage as well, then you're starting to get really expensive. Although I think their iCloud, their iCloud storage prices like, don't strike me as. I mean, you get. I can't remember what the price. No, I I'm, I'm, for, I tend to agree with you. Terabytes is it's quite reasonably priced. Yeah, I mean, Given all I pay for at the moment is just the, the 50, 50 mm. gig, but it's seventy nine p a month. Yeah. Mm. that's not actually too I bad. Two, I guess it's a professional scale. For, I think it's two pounds seventy something like that for two hundred gig. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I suppose just Google are, are getting one over on them by offering quite a lot for free at the yeah. moment. But that's only photo storage. So, yeah. Anyway, thank you, Karen. Um, I must ask you, Karen, iMac Pro or, oh, hell no. <laughs> um, I think iMac Pro, I think it sounds from what we've heard so far that it is going to be a good, you know, good machine with some impressive sort of results when we get our testing done. Yeah. Um, obviously, for 90% of us, it's a hell no. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. there are definitely going to be people out there who, who you know, it would really make a big difference to them. So, and maybe it's worth every penny if they get to go home on time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you, Scott? Well, I mean, yeah, obviously it's not for me, so it should be an oh hell no. But also it does sound hello impressive for people that are actually going to use it in that classic sort of Apple way. So um, I'll give it. I'll give it an iMac Pro. Mm, cool. Positive here. We'll have to wait till next year to see what the Mac Pro looks like. So we'll be right back to talk a bit more about Apple, but first about Netflix. Scott, it's Christmas time, so brands are trying to be funny on social media. Who? Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies. I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is... Another mask. <laughs> you can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ruined it this week. (laughs) Well, Netflix um, very distinctly took a page out of Spotify's advertising book um, this week where um, Spotify very cleverly uh, I think it must have been last year it might have even been earlier this year 
um, started mining a lot of their user data to do these clever sort of billboard ads where they would say stuff like, to the person that played Justin Bieber's Sorry 60 times in a row, what did you do? You know, and like witty sort of data mined ads like that. Um, Netflix have sort of taken a page out of their book and they um, published, uh, well, they tweeted out a load of similar things where um, the one that got the most attention was um, to the 53 people that watched A Christmas Prince every day for the last 18 days, who hurt you? And that was their one of their most popular tweets of all time. It had sort of 340,000 likes, 86,000 retweets, yeah. which is a hella load of reach uh, <laughs> in um, sort of Twitter parlance. Uh, but the problem is that they, they got quite a lot of blowback, actually, after this. Um, a lot of people started um, saying how creepy it is that Netflix can kind of drill down into individual users' viewing habits. Um, also, just for context, uh, A Christmas Prince is yeah. a Netflix original movie that has just been released. And it's about a New York-based journalist that goes to Eastern Europe to meet a prince who is about to become king and interview him oh. and then they fall in love so is it a children's film or no it's like a guilty pleasure sort of teen film I, along I just... like the olsen twin style okay. of movie because <laughs> i anticip- i anticipated that because some of the other things they were saying were clearly children's programs or films yeah it's more yeah. And you're B kind movie of like, every day yeah, you know we've year. had peppa pig on in the house on like constantly time, yeah. yeah so you know what netflix needs to sort of look not netflix yeah netflix needs to look at you, you need to allow for that yeah because people aren't really just watching it over and over again. We're talking yeah. about kids who just have it on all i mean surely the, the obvious thing they've done here is is it's is the medium so Spotify had this clever billboards, you're on the tube, and you go, oh, that's quite funny. Yeah. I would never listen to that song that many times. <laughs> uh, but then Netflix, they say something like that, and particularly the, the Christmas Prince one. Yeah. For when I saw that tweet, I just thought, ooh, that's, I, I didn't read that as Netflix US, the brand. I read that as snarky social media manager. Yeah. It was like, ooh, this will be funny. And I, I definitely just immediately saw like one person's voice there. Well, it's and weird because it, they're kind of shaming their viewers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, so it's shaming their customers in that way. And they're also, the other thing is they're they're kind of admitting that A Christmas Prince is like a guilty pleasure movie <laughs> by saying, like, who hurt you? Which is unusual for yeah, like a Netflix original. I thought that was a strange thing to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I, I definitely agree with you on the, um, it, it seems to have just been sort of developed by the social media team rather than maybe like an actual marketing yeah. um, decision. Because even the responses got a bit weird. Like someone responded... Um, on Twitter saying something like why are you shaming your users like this and they were like um, like I think they responded something like if you want to talk to us about this don't worry like as in like mm. um, like was it you that watched A Christmas Prince basically <laughs> and then they responded saying you don't have to look out for me you're not my mum and then they responded uh, it's okay sweetie and oh, I, I saw like, that yeah that is just a classic social media manager kind of misstep yeah uh, or just sort of pushing it a little bit too far, and you know, brands on social media are generally pretty cringing. So that 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 was the That's thing. Just sexist and insulting, it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Um, but the, yeah, I think the thing that I found interesting was how different the reactions to the Spotify version of this and the Netflix version were. And we had a little mini debate in the office about it. And I think it probably comes down to execution. It's like you said earlier, like a billboard 
is not going to get a load of angry tweets responded to it. So maybe people did find it creepy, but they didn't actually have anywhere to really voice that unless mm. they were going to make an actual formal complaint. I think also it's just how um, people perceive the service they pay for as well, because Spotify bases a lot of its stuff around algorithms, and it's trying to yes. help you discover new music, yeah. discover weekly, how that's presented. It's like, hey, we're helping you out here. And it, I've never actually really thought about it being creepy, and I kind of... Um, actually use it quite a lot and the daily mix playlists that they do for you and things Netflix like that. Netflix is the same though. But uh, that's the thing. Netflix is the same and it, and it um, gives you suggestions based on your yeah. viewing habits and stuff. Um, so why is it that people are finding it more creepy? I, I, I suggested data? that maybe people are, are a little bit more defensive about their viewing habits than their listening habits. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any, um, any merit to that. But I mean, I would probably be more open. No, I wouldn't though. Because like my <laughs> Spotify, like my spotify habits mainly because i share it with my girlfriend like my top 100 um songs of the year was like a horrendous mix of like terrible terrible choices so i wouldn't really want to share that with you i suppose it's the volume thing isn't it we 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 don't really um bat an eyelid about listening to a song 100 times in a year but if you watch a film 100 times in a year then you're mental yes yeah (laughs) that's definitely it i think yeah um the other thing about this um is that you know a few journalists did actually sort of reach out to Netflix and just be like, by the way, like how many of your staff have access to granular viewing habit data? Because that definitely mm. can be a bit creepy. Um, and they they didn't really respond. And Spotify did the same thing last year. They kind of just gave like a canned quote where they said, um, these are general viewing habit data and it's not down to the, like an individual user. So it's the old anonymized data excuse, which is fine, but like, talk to any sort of data scientist and they'll tell you that there's no such thing as anonymized data because you can definitely map yeah. everything yeah totally yeah to because like back to the user we've talked about it on the podcast before you've bemoaned how netflix refuses to release its um overall yeah data it won't say what its most watched so- show was and all that um but well then... even the directors don't know yeah so crazy. the director so then... of okja which is a um I can't remember his name now. It's the Korean director. But he won't know how many people watched Okja this year. Yeah. All he'll know is like how well reviewed it is. So do you think Netflix took that piece of information that they know that their public is annoyed that they don't release viewing figures and then just teased it with some really quite personal tidbits? Yeah. Because they well, they'd be like, oh, 53 people watched this. Yeah. You're weird. But we're not going to tell you how many people watched it overall. Yeah. I mean, if you don't think that like Netflix are mining all of, all of this data, then you just like you you've got to be fairly naive about like Netflix as an organization because yeah. you know it's always been algorithmically driven um from from day one and that's that's part of its you know part of its appeal is that it gives you those personalized recommendations it's just because sorry go on Karen go I was on. just gonna say I mean personally I don't have a problem with Netflix knowing what I'm watching and I think it makes sense because I'd like it to give me recommendations based on that but I think and with you know, it isn't anything new, but I I just think it's their their whole sort of use of that data in yeah. a in a snarky way. Yeah, snarky shaming kind yeah. of thing. So yeah, it's just a weird mix, isn't it? I was trying I was trying to think of what other platforms do this, and I suppose we have like stuff like on this day from Facebook, but you cringe a little yeah. bit about what you did seven years ago, but no one else can actually see that. Yeah, you don't have to share it. Yeah, um, I I can't get too I can't get too fussed by like these ads from Spotify and Netflix because they're not calling out individual users. Um, And okay, if you did watch A Christmas Prince 58 times in the last 58 days and the ad kind of rubbed you the wrong way, (laughs) no one needs to know that that was you. It's still private. So I think the reaction is 
kind of justified in that yes it's a little bit creepy but actually it doesn't hurt anyone so mm. it's just that kind of classic social media like blowback reaction where it's all a bit of a storm in a teacup yeah would have forgotten about it next week right yeah <laughs> even though it's interesting to think about yeah um yeah i can't really think of any other apps that need to go out there and, and brag about their user data because most of the time bringing that up is a bit of a it's just creating your own problems there we, aren't you like when we talk about the next thing the user mm-hmm. data is a big part of um i think apple buying shazam that yeah. is a, as a fine lead karen so i will quickly ask you that funny question um <laughs> Scott, data can kill or Netflix and chill? <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, Netflix and chill. Oh, excellent. Uh, Karen? Yeah, Netflix and chill. Chill out, everyone. Okay, BRB, and we'll talk about Shazam. So, finally, as Karen uh, intimated, we have Shazam being acquired by Apple. And Scott, you wrote about it this week. Yeah, I, I thought it was a really interesting deal um, for, for many reasons, mainly um, because it's, it's Shazam is a, a very old uk tech company yep. so when a, a uk tech company um with a brand name like shazam gets acquired by a company like apple um it, it's it's very interesting but i found it more interesting um thinking about what apple would like to do with something like shazam because it doesn't seem like a very natural fit so i kind of started to just ask some people and think about the the sort of synergy of um shazam and apple and and all i could end up coming back with really was as, as Karen said earlier the the user data that you get from Shazam is extremely valuable but then mm-hmm. also the technology itself in terms of being able to uh, recognize a song from a snippet or recognize who the artist is or recognize what a movie is just from um, recording a short clip is all very useful for uh, Siri and yeah. especially Siri when it's embedded in the uh, HomePod mm-hmm. um, which is the uh, Apple's upcoming version Delayed. of Google Home yeah. and um, the Echo. So th- by embedding maybe Shazam in that, you could uh, be watching you know, a movie and you could say, Shazam, what movie is this? Or Siri, more likely, what movie is this? It will listen to a two-second two clip and it will be able to say that is Jurassic Park and yeah. the actor speaking is this actor. Um, the thing is, uh, Alexa already does this. So well, actually, the, the Shazam is already used, integrated into Apple's Siri. Yeah. When you, if you ask what song is playing, it is actually Shazam that answers you. Yes. If it works, so it's already kind of integrated there. So, so the question is, why did Apple pay four hundred million dollars to acquire a service which is already integrated? Mm, well, yeah, it's got, to be, means, it's got to be the data. There are a few reasons, I think. Um, a, they don't have to pay Siri to. Uh, use the service every time it's used mm-hmm. also when when anyone asks siri what is this not siri well if they are siri or spotify what this uh shazam even yes what this, <laughs> what this song is i'm listening to um um it not only tells them what the song is it will also say you can buy it on apple music mm-hmm. you can also exactly. buy it yeah. on these other stores and well, so now on. it will only say apple music assuming well, yeah. it will um, and will there still be an android app and so on we assume mm-hmm. there will be but you know how's how's this going to work um, the other thing that Shazam does is it, it it has that information about what people are listening to, whether they've asked it or not, if, yep. if they've got that turned on. So what that can tell Apple is more information about people's listening habits. So like at the moment, you can get your um, iPhone or iTunes or whatever to, to create a playlist for you. And they can be... They can be quite good. They're usually sort of based around a, a song and what it sees it as being in the same genre as that song mm. and so on. But based on your you, your listening habits, 
it could sort of say, okay, they like this kind of music, they like that kind of music, and they can get that more information from Shazam. So I feel that yeah. um, they can definitely develop that that further. Um, there's also there's some stuff about how Shazam has some technology for scanning movie posters and other images to unlock uh, yeah. unlock extras there. So I think there's some stuff about augmented reality. Yeah. I think it's so. kind of unfortunate for Apple that it's, it's so public, really, because everyone's going to be watching now for how they integrate it. Yeah. Because a lot of the things you just um, talked about, Karen, are something that <laughs> Apple's favorite enemy, Google, um, has kind of quietly already done itself. Google is like a complete monster at hoovering up little uh, startups and tech companies mm-hmm. like, and no one really notices and then they implement it quietly into their products so the, uh, the Pixel 2 this year people did think it was slightly creepy but if you've got the phone on a table it has an always on display so you can see some text and not always but often it will know what song it's playing in the background and it will just display it on the screen just in a very small little thing Yeah. Um, offline library of data um, so you don't have to be connected um, and then yeah you can go and then listen to it on Spotify buy it from Google Play Music and everything and then also Google Lens um is quite good now if you take a picture of something and tap lens you can see what it'll read the poster or read or look at the monument or whatever and tell you what it is yeah and then you can monetize that because you can actually click through to the shopping page yep. or whatever can, or phone, phone them or whatever yeah. yeah i think the ar the ar augmented reality sorry um synergy <coughs> is is quite obvious because apple have been really keen on this they released their ar, AR kit. kit um for, for developers and the iphone uh 10 they've been really bigging up the AR sort of capabilities of it. So I think um, from that perspective, maybe the acquisition of Shazam becomes a bit more of an aqua hire Mm -hmm. where they'll just sort of hoover up all of the AR expertise and the developers. And the patents. Yes, and the patents um, and just bring that in and then start to try and build on top of that. So... that And the other thing that I didn't mention earlier is the price is actually quite controversial. I was about to say, weren't they valued at a billion? Yeah, so in their last funding round, which was a couple of years ago, they were valued at um, one billion US dollars, um, and they have just sold for four hundred million, yeah, um, which is a quite a hefty discount. And that mostly comes down to just um, valuations after funding rounds being completely overblown, more than yeah, that's true. Else. It's the most Apple spent um, acquiring another company since. Can you take a guess? Oh, I'll tell you the price, and you can have a guess. It's the most it's spent since it spent three billion in twenty fourteen. Do you guys remember who it was? Sorry, I know I'm lording it over you. You'll kick yourself because you do, you do know. Yeah, it. that's going to bug me. Yeah. Oh, Beats. Yeah. Oh, nice, yes. Dre's payday. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, two two of their highest acquisitions of recent years have been to do with music. So. It's interesting as well that apparently, I don't know if this is true, but Spotify and Snap were also interested in purchasing Shazam. So they, Spotify, the price okay. isn't 400 million because there wasn't interest. I'm so glad Snap didn't buy it. Oh yeah, they'd have put it in spectacles or something. Yeah, it would have been rubbish. <laughs> um, yeah, Spotify would have made would have made plenty of sense. They probably just got priced out in the end. Yeah, and most Apple likely. Obviously, wanted to have the, those patents and all that technology. Yeah. so it'll be very interesting to see if if the HomePod has been delayed for this reason um, because they promised it for December. It's now just early 2018. Mm. Um, it's quite a quick turnaround to get this kind of technology in there. But it would be interesting because they they are positioning it and have positioned it in their keynote as a music device. Yeah as opposed to a general smart speaker. Yeah, and if you go on the HomePod page of the Apple website, it, it mostly talks about Apple Music. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it just feels to me like they've really just missed the boat on that one. Yeah. It's like, to, <laughs> to position the HomePod... I'm sorry, we've changed the subject. No, it's fine. But, no, it's fine. You know, to position the HomePod as a music device, it's just going down the iPod hi-fi all over again, and it's not as if that worked well for them. And so what they're doing is they're bringing out HomePod speaker at a time when all anyone cares about is like these smart speakers, like the Amazon and the Google, 
Google. Mm. And they come out with this and it's like people are just going to be like, well, it doesn't do. Well, yeah, and they're also coming out with something that only streams music from a streaming service, which has already pretty much lost the streaming service battle. Well, I was going to say, yeah, it's quite bullish. And... It's bullish of them. They okay, they did the iPod and they had iTunes and ruled yeah. the world for a bit, but they they won't let go of this idea that everyone still should be using, like you say, Apple Music instead yeah. of Spotify. Because just I think it's just a, it's a curse that it's called that because I, they'll never get Android users using it. It no. is it is an Android app. Mm. But no one's no one's no one's going to buy an Apple Music. <laughs> no, it will be interesting on that streaming service point. Um, and uh, to your earlier point, Karen, about um, like Shazam at the moment sort of directs you to Apple Music most predominantly, but it still goes to Spotify or Deezer or whatever or Google Play. Um, we assume that they will just sort of start focusing on Apple Music, but those contracts probably are multi-year contracts. So I don't know if you can just tear them up probably just not. because you've been acquired by Apple. Yeah, um, but with the what will happen is they'll probably run their course. And that will actually, that will hurt Spotify. It will hurt the competition because they currently, you know, they have 100 million um, active weekly users, I think, Spot, uh, Shazam, which, Shazam is, yeah. which is tons. We use 20 million times a day, apparently. I did. Yeah. I still use Shazam. I still, so I. I'm still. i sitting in the yeah, pub. I'm like, what's this tune? Yeah. And it's quite streamlined um, now. And at the moment, you know, that's driving a lot of people towards Spotify. And then that's... Um, that also ends up being affiliate revenue for both companies. So that 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 will bite them in the end. I mean, I don't know if it's too little too late, but it, it's not inconsequential to mention. It's kind of one of those apps that, that um, in the early days of me having a smartphone, I just couldn't really believe that it worked. I know. It's like one of those magic things. It I was still, magic. still like, it wow, it so knows magic. it after yeah. 10 seconds. And actually, I was reading up, and I didn't actually realise uh, Shazam predates smartphones. Yes. Um, and originally, you had to call, call the number, oh, hold yeah. your phone up, your little Nokia up to yeah. the radio, and it texts you what it was. Yeah, it was like a four. Yeah, it was a four number yeah. service. The charged charged you to your posy go. Yeah, it's phenomenal. I mean, it's a phenomenally old um, company, and it's one of one of Is it 14, the UK's, 14 years or so, yeah, maybe more, maybe fifteen. Um, and it's yeah, it's one of those really good sort of UK tech stories, and and uh, you know, a lot of people picked up on this headline, but yeah, it's another example of a great UK tech company moving overseas a bit like Arm did another UK tech company that Apple uh, bought was Siri yeah and I'm sure that this is going to have some big impact in Siri and the development of that as well because there Mm. must be some interesting sort of I I imagine the Shazam team will sit with the Siri team I can't imagine them sitting anywhere else yeah well in Apple Park everyone sits next to each other now (laughs) (laughs) so we're led to believe um yeah, an interesting one. Uh, and Apple clearly not giving up. And I think it's it's a slightly wounded animal at the moment in the in the music uh, area and also in the smart speaker uh, arena because Siri just isn't as accessible. This is my personal opinion, um, or or maybe quite as um, consistent with its answers as the other two. And the fact that the other two are now out there with household name hardware, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's going it's to be tough for them. So it'll be interesting to see how they implement it. Do you see this as something exclusive to HomePod, or we're we gonna we're gonna have it all on Siri on on every device? I'm sure it'll be on every device. Yeah. yeah. Um, I and I don't think they'll have anything really in the HomePod that represents this this merger quite yet. Yeah. But, um, the the interesting thing for me is that they could have built all of this capability in house without acquiring Shazam. So it got me wondering whether they were actually interested in maybe acquiring the brand because it is a very well known brand. Yeah. Um, but that would mean that when you ask Siri what the song is playing. They should be leveraging. They'll say like Shazam, 
says this, and that's like an added friction. So are they just going to fold it into Siri? And I just would it, imagine it, they would fold it. Yeah. So they, so then that would Siri be, was acquired when it wasn't it wasn't known that company wasn't famous. Yeah. So they would just be sort of bulldozing the Shazam brand in the end. You'd imagine they would. Yeah. I suppose. I mean, that's how it's worked with Beats. Obviously, people see Beats. As I suppose a you know. Brand. How, yeah. Um, and back in you know back with FileMaker, boring, but you know <laughs> another one, yeah, part yeah. of part of Apple, not necessarily associated with Apple. But I think, I think maybe you know maybe yeah, Shazam will con- continue to be a separate entity. But definitely, it's the patents that I'm yeah. sure. It sounds like it's, yeah, yeah. technology, data, and talent. It's definitely yeah. not the revenues because no. it only just started turning a profit early this year, and it was minimal at that. So for yeah. for Apple, it's a drop in the ocean. This is becoming more commonplace now because, to a lesser extent, Pebble were acquired by Fitbit, and Pebble yeah. was folded. But then all the Pebble people now work for Fitbit. Yeah, it's an AquaHire. HTC, yeah, AquaHired. Um, tons of people from HTC are now at Google. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, cool. Consolidate. So <laughs> Scott. Shazam or a sham? <laughs> uh, Shazam. Yeah. Not the film with Shaquille O'Neal in it. <laughs> I've not seen that. <laughs> Karen? Probably on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Shazam. Shazam. Okay, we're all up for this. Hopefully Siri will be a bit cleverer next time we speak to it. Thank you both. Um, Karen, have you had time to think about what you'd recommend people buy for Christmas? What's on your Christmas list? Uh, it's not HomePod. No, no well, it would have been. <laughs> and I think even if HomePod was out, I wouldn't be saying buy it. No, fair um, enough. Interesting. No. I uh, love my, I love my Echo. I'm. Shall I'm you? We've already got I'm one. That's the thing. I'm hoping to get yeah. a new case for my iPhone Eight Plus. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> Plenty of cases. My, we've probably got my one. My daughter here. keeps stealing it, and she's broken it basically. <laughs> really? Not the phone, the case. <laughs> oh right. Sorry. Well, that's better. Yeah, that's mm. the, that's the right way around. Okay, cool. Keep an eye on MacWorld for all the news on the iMac Pro, and read up on Shazam at Computer. Oh no, it's in TechWorld. It is in TechWorld. It is. So many brands. Thanks, guys, for listening. Thank you both for joining in. Uh, we might be back next week. If we're not, have a great Christmas. Thank you very much. Happy Christmas. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.